As Huey Lewis once said, this is it. <laughs> You're listening to The Run. <laughs> it is The Run. This is The Run. It is The Run. The Hi, hello. How you doing? This is The Run, a comic book podcast about runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. I'm your host, David Boyce. With me, as always, Jonathan. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm just verifying I'm not a robot. Oh, okay. Jonathan's fucking around on his iPad right now, bringing up uh, his comicsology shit. And as always, Christopher Boyce, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm fantastic. How about yourselves? Oh, I'm I'm fine. Uh, I watched a Flat Earth documentary last night. That was fun. Was that on Netflix? Uh, oh, I gotta watch that. How many brain cells you lose? Uh, Lauren was furious the entire time, but it's called Behind the Curve. It, it came out in 2018. It may have been December for all I know. Who cares? It just shows the Flat Earther's point of view. It's uh, pretty quirky. I think we need to go to one of those flat earth conventions. I really want to go. They go there. Yeah, they, they go. Well, to that I know, convention. but I, I want to go to, I, I have another buddy of mine from work that is all about going to that and just be laughing. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's a flat earther. No, no, he's not. I know a guy that I work with. Well, I know a guy from work that is a flat earther, but I haven't really even tried talking to him. because I don't even want to, but um, they're, they're quite something. Uh, yeah, it's, it just has. A bunch of flat earthers just talking about their point of view and why it is and the filmmakers also have some nasa guys that refute some things but they're nice about it they're they, because they also explain later in the doc that if you just call them stupid outright they're not going to listen to you and they're just going to hunker down more so they're more so amazed at the loops that they go through for their logic to work they follow these flat earthers around till the they get to the convention in raleigh interspersed with the nasa people talking about it they show that the flat earthers own themselves constantly. They do some cell phones, self owns where they're talking about a billboard at one point, like, look, we finally got a flat earth ad on a billboard. And the next one f flashes and it says a LASIK uh, ad as in get your eyes checked, you idiot. And then there was another one where they go to the NASA <laughs> museum and they're trying to figure out how to start this mock space station. And they're, they're saying, Oh, see, NASA doesn't work. NASA doesn't work. And, they get up and walk away, and then the camera pans back, and there's like a giant start button right in front of their face that they didn't see. Stuff like that. It was uh, pretty interesting to see what their point of view is, because the one thing that they don't really get into is what their end game is. Theoretically, what if we all just said, all right, the Earth is flat, now what? Yeah. Exactly. No, exactly. Nothing. Yeah, it's like moving on. It's, it's a weird cause to fight for. But enough about me and goofy documentaries. Check that out. We talked about... The epilogue to the epilogue last uh, episode with Prodigal and Troika, where we finally get some resolve with Batman and Bat Family. However, there was one burning question in my mind, too, actually. What happened to Asriel and what happened to Bane? Because the last we saw of Bane was him waking up from a coma at the end of Troika. Him just saying something's coming, which alludes to nothing for us if that was the last thing we read. And, of course, Asriel was homeless, and they found him several times. And just let him be homeless. There was no follow-up to that. So I wanted to look at Vengeance of Bane 2 
which is the next appearance of Bane since Nightfall, which is written by Chuck Dixon, art by Graham Nolan, and inked by Edward Baruto. And then Asriel's issue 36 through 40. Uh, I didn't want to do the first few issues because didn't really do anything besides, well, it does set up what happens to Asriel and Batman, but I wanted to see the confrontation between Bane and Asriel since there was no follow-up on that like we thought there would be. So Vengeance of Bane 2 is interesting as it's kind of a mirror of the first one in a way, at least the first part of it. Did you guys feel that way at all about this at all? Yeah, I'll agree. I think the whole issue is a mirror of the previous issue. It's just from a different perspective. Yeah, and the last... You're not perspective, I should say. It's from the... Narrative? Yeah, because to be honest, it's the exact same story. The difference is it's pre or post Nightfall. And yeah. it's just you know what he did before Nightfall and then how that affected after it. And literally, it's almost beat for beat the same book. Bane got dummy thick, though. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> dummy thick. I mean, he got chumped and he's all depressed. And Well, he was also in a coma for a while. They yeah, just feeding him cakes and shit. I mean, again, just shows you what the drug use does to somebody because really probably uh, Venom was the only thing that kept him thin half the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Chris? I mean, you guys said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really uh, oh, go ahead. I don't got much to say about Vengeance of Bane, but these Azrael issues, I do have stuff to say about that. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, Vengeance of Bane 2 is just Bane waking up from the coma and getting used to being in prison again and trying to make a break for it as well as having new cronies on the inside to help him. We see KG Beast as returns. KG Beast tries to one-up him and beat him up and try to become the big fish in the pond, but they eventually work their way out of that and Bane becomes friends with KG Beast as he helps him facilitate his breakthrough. We see Ratcatcher again. He was in Prodigal. He was uh, Bane's message boy, essentially, where he would just give him messages throughout the prison because at one point... Bane kills someone with his teddy bear. He had a... A knife he, hidden in the teddy bear? Yeah, he had a knife hidden in a teddy bear from a gift and stabbed some guy and went into solitary. And when he goes into solitary, it does the same thing. Pumps himself up. Yes, he pumps himself up. <laughs> and that's just, just like in the first Vengeance of Bane where he just works out every day. He was in solitary working out every day until he gets buffed. And another big thing is him getting off Venom because he realizes that's a weakness. Yeah. So... He gets off the Venom, and he finds out that there's other people still using it out and about in Gotham City. So he, he breaks out of Blackgate Prison, and he goes to find these Venom users to stop them. And he also bumps into Batman, surprise, surprise. But he apologizes in a weird way to Batman. He said, yeah, we're not, we're not enemies anymore. Leave me alone. And they team up to fight these other Mexican. I don't know why they put, dressed them up as Mexican luchadors as well. These guys that are using Venom, Bane already had that market Stick. cornered. Yeah, I so. guess just a copy of that. I don't know. Yeah, but I did like. It was probably like, easier to get Luchador masks than to get the custom Bane mask made. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of weird. Uh, I did like Bane wearing a trench coat. I yeah. thought that was a good look for him. Yeah, I thought that was a good look for him. He looks like he could either be a detective or someone that would just flash his dick out to someone. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a flasher. With how big that thing is. Here, I think it just reminded me of Raphael from the first Turtles movie. Yeah, he's that's, that's going to see I mean. the movie. Like <laughs> it looks good, but it looks a little too big. Yeah, I agree. I think it it does fit his character. And yeah. again, that's probably where they got a lot of their ideas for uh, what the Dark Knight Rises with the yeah, trench coat yeah, with, his, the, with coat. his winter coat yeah, type look. Maybe. Oh, uh, after this, I think he uses that. He 
you know, his outfit, his mask stays the same, but he goes on having, like, usually wears a trench coat a lot Does after he? this point, I huh. think. Various different uh, books I've seen wear the trench coat type look. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good character design when with that coat because it's not just guy and spandex and tank top. Yeah. And he doesn't have the tubes in his head anymore because he, he kicks his addiction to Venom. Or does he? Yeah, well, that's one of those things that they just rubber band throughout his entire character history. It depends on who's writing and who's editing at the time. But yeah, he he helps Batman take down these Venom users. And then there's also this underlying theme throughout the entire book of childhood trauma. We know his dad forced him uh, through his dad's crimes. He had to carry out his sentences and he finds out his dad's still alive. And his quest is now to go find his father. And that's where it ends. And it sets up. Uh, we mentioned in a previous episode, Batman Legacy, which has him go after Ra's al Ghul, and then he wants to become the bride of Talia al Ghul, and then he works for Ra's al Ghul, and that thing all falls apart, which, you know, the Lazarus Pits, like I said from the search, would have it would have been a better tie-in, I don't know, personally. But that all falls apart, and, I don't know, Boat Jacks someone, and gets back to Gotham that way, and... That's the end of the legacy storyline for there, but you guys didn't read that. I just I just took a glance over it real quick. He it, it sucks because he becomes just another underling for someone else. He used to be the, he used to run fucking Gotham, and now now you got him being Rayshaw Ghoul secondhand and Batman easily beating him up all the time now. But well, I mean, you could also say because of the Venom. Yeah, I mean because you can't really do too much else with him besides that, unfortunately, because you can't make him. You could make him a more powerful character, I guess. But you already have all these other people running around Gotham doing stuff. He probably would have been better off being more of a mercenary character, uh, more still on a villain side, but almost like how the Red Hood is now for Batman, that he's like Batman's... He wouldn't have been an agent for Batman, per se, but he could have... They, they would have had an understanding type stuff, and he could have been um, not, not a Punisher-type character, more of a Venom character, I guess. I was going to say, make him more like Deathstroke. Make him a better hand-to-hand fighter. He's already yeah. just—he's yeah. already super smart. Well, but I mean, he could have been like he—he he could have been similar to Venom for DC. That he was a villain, but now he—you know—he still is a villain technically. But he basically works for the downtrodden and people that are being taken advantage of. And then would tie bet you know then he could be used again later on, like how he was for Suicide Squad and all this other stuff. The one couple things I want to point out about the Vengeance of Bane 2, uh, I, I don't think, like, again, like you said, KG Beast, I like how they tied in Prada or a Troika. Yeah. So KG Beast shows up and basically kicks the crap out of him, and that's when he starts getting buff. But I don't, you know, once he gets buff again, he gets to jump on KG Beast. But I feel like since he was trained by the KGB, I don't think Bane should have been able to kick the crap out of him as easily. I feel like. Well, he didn't have his cybernetic enhancements as well. Remember, uh, he had, they actually had the missing eye still yeah i know he had that but i'm just saying like i understand the cybernetic enhancements but i feel like he should actually have some better hand-to-hand training in fighting again similar to batman and you figure kg beast was supposed to, like the when you put the two of them together they looked similar in build so i just it's fine i just i don't think that that fight should have they should have been more at a standstill than right bane was able to kick the crap out of him completply i mean you could just look at it as bane was out of shape at well no he was the first time but then yeah he, he got buff again right and, um, and then at the end, like you said, he comes to him and Batman. They were about to fight, but the one guy that they tied up was about to tear the, tear the building down. One of the guys on Venom. Yeah. So they got separated by the falling debris. And then I just love the line where Bane's like, I was guilty by 
no right at home. I mean, I he's could, right. Yeah, he is. He's like, and I committed no crime, so I'm not guilty anymore. You cannot follow me anymore. I'm like, no. Yeah, that's... You definitely don't understand the way the uh, murder and all these other things you did in Gotham work. Yeah, it, he's kind of blaming it on his dad there. And, and no, it, you caused all this chaos during Nightfall. You're you're still guilty for that. Stuff. Yes, exactly. And I, what's interesting is, I, I, you know, when you go back and read it, I think that he really got used by Bird. Because that's the only reason he kind of came to Gotham and had this thing with, you know, this beef with Batman because Bird was like pissed off that he got beat up by Batman in the first yep. place. So I thought that was interesting, but I, I don't know if he ever, although I guess here in a little bit, maybe that's why he does what he does. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll get into that. Chris said he has some stuff to say. Um, before we finish this uh, one shot of Vengeance of Bane 2 up, Chris, do you have anything else to add to this? Or you said it was cut and dry. Anything we made? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, Bane has a wrestling mask, and I feel like they're writing him like how the WWE writes wrestlers, where it's just like, awesome debut! And then he just kind of plateaus, and they don't really go anything beyond with him, other than he just kind of turns into a run-of-the-mill thug guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ratings, I guess. I gave this a four. It was nothing, really. Nothing burger. It really didn't seal the deal for us on what happened to Bane. It just kind of set up another story. It didn't give us closure on Nightfall at all. I'll say a six. six. I like Vengeance of Bane 2, but Vengeance of Bane 1. Like I said, I didn't like in the first one where it was just he got used the whole time. And this time around, he kind of realized that. And that's he decided to try and make up for the mistakes he made. Beat for beat, it was a complete mirror of the first issue. I just I like the plot points of the second one better than the first one. Okay. Chris? I'm going to have to go right in the middle with a five because you could either take it or leave it. It caps off the story, but it's not a very good cap off. Right. Okay. Uh, averages out a five for us. Like we said, it's, it's, it's fine. Take it or leave it. That's a good way of putting it. And finally, the last thread we wanted to tie up here is what happened to Azrael? He was homeless. Batman just let him go with a slap on the wrist. Nightwing found him, but didn't do anything with him and left him alone. Did you guys by any chance read the first couple of issues just to see what happened no, to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and read them. I'm interested to know if how Batman was really disappointed in him in the in 36 when he gave him the mission was, eh, he's not going to do it. I, I have no faith in his character at all. If that angst towards him or, or the disappointment is there from the very beginning, and if it is, why even recruit him to be an agent of why even re- recruit him and let him run around and do this stuff? I have a, I have a few answers for you. Chris, did you read any of the first few issues by any chance just to see? I did not. When we read comics in a run like this, I really hate the first couple pages of every issue because it always has dialogue harkening back to the previous issue to catch on. You know, to catch up the reader if you haven't read it before. So me coming in and them having that exposition was actually kind of helpful this time around. Right. So So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys the cliff notes because I wanted to know how he just got into the costume and he was cool with Batman again. Batman finds him almost immediately, apologizes to him, and gives him the costume and then just gives him a mission. In like the first issue? Yeah. Okay. That makes makes sense with on in all it doesn't, but it makes sense that you gotta for, just for, set it up and get it going well yeah i mean again he he dealt him a pretty shitty deal in my yeah. opinion about that he was like oh here's the mantle of the bat uh right. just do this but don't do that and do this and don't do that and you know he cre- again we all agreed that he kind of created the situation for himself so 
it makes sense to me that he would try and fix it and give him another chance. Yeah, so, but he, he the way this was the second issue it happened. The first issue was just him still being homeless and <laughs> what a waste he was going crazy. What a waste of ink and paper and money. He was, he was going crazy, and I think the cliffhanger was the the I was say orphanage. The homeless shelter he was in was on fire, but he thought he was going nuts, so he was just sitting in a bed while everything around him oh, was burning okay. down. But Batman comes in and just apologizes to him and says, "Here you go." And then he's off to go after the Order of St. Dumas. There's a chapter that's still around. We find out he has animal DNA. He's like part bear. Oh, I shit you not. Yeah, it goes really weird. And it, and it dovetails right into Ra's al Ghul. He's involved somehow, but I didn't read any further than that. I just wanted to see how he got back into action in the issue after that. But yeah, he's, he's part animal. So I don't know if that is part of the system and why he goes nuts. But so they ripped that off of Wolverine. Oh wait, Wolverine's part animal too. Uh, there was that law uh, theory, or they were batting around the idea that they wanted to make Wolverine a mutated Wolverine. Oh, it never came to fruition. Okay, I thought God. you might have did like no, no, it never came to fruition. But okay. the fact is that I, I feel like that plot idea yeah. would have been known back in the nineties that. Right before they were like, no, we're not doing that. Okay. Well, so we got Azrael's issue 36 through 40. This is the rematch with Bane. Uh, writers Denny O'Neill, artist Roger Robinson, inker James Pasco. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It does start off with Azrael fucking up a drug deal right away and knocking out Bullock and Batman chastising him for that. Yeah. yeah which but- which is a, another thing. This is kind of a teen angst book. We keep forgetting how young Azrael is. And so you were just out of curiosity, you read the first 35 issues. Then is what you're no, saying. no, no, no. I only read like the first three or four issues. Oh, okay. Cause like yeah, I yeah. said, uh, I glanced through it, but I'd like what to, I was getting, it was, it's, it's just kind of like a, an edgier Robin. If I had more time, I would have liked to read it only because like I said, Batman's very disappointed in him. So I'm curious if he's basically been screwing up the first 35 issues and Batman's just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. So it sounds like from Batman's reactions. Yeah, Batman's um, really pissy about it. He's just like, I don't know what I'm doing, and Azrael's like, I don't. Or Azrael's like, I don't know what's wrong. Like, why do I keep messing up? And Batman, very sad looking, is like, I don't know either. By the way, Bane's back, and you should go fight him. <laughs> yeah, remember this is Denny O'Neill uh, yeah. writing this himself, so it's it's gonna be goofy. He writes Bane like a hulking monster. He doesn't speak yeah. in sentences. Well, he does, but boat is yours. Me, well, he'll say me angry, but I bane stuff like that. Like he's losing his intelligence. I I don't know if he was asleep at the wheel or there was something that we missed in the Rachel Ghoul thing because I don't think we did because he gets he's pretty smart for what he's doing. I guess I don't know. Chris, you said you had shit to say about this one. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Roger Robbins is it Robbins or Robinson? Robin. Robinsons. I really like his art. Yeah, me too. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really look at who was drawing it, but as I was reading it, I thought it was Eduardo Rizzo from Hundred Bullets because it's very similar. Yeah, it's a little bit um, more animated or a little bit more not animated, uh, traditional. Whereas yeah. Rizzo's is more exaggerated, but yeah, it's I really like the art for here. Just like the way he draws like sweat on people, um, the way like there's a bartender getting thrown into a mirror. It looked like it could have been right out of Hundred Bullets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really like that. Bird returns, so that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I was actually shocked about that, but it also puts credence to what I said about Trog and Zombie being completely useless. 
completely useless because they're not they're not mentioned at all. the The plot of this one is Bane wants to make Venom, but not for him. So he tests out this new version on Bird and has him go after Azrael. Like I didn't know who the girl was. That okay, that girl meets up with Azrael. All right, there is a romance subplot in here. I was I wasn't going to talk about, but. She tries to whisk Azrael away from his duties. She is part of it the sounds... order of Saint Dumas. Oh, do we find right. that later? That's what that... I picked up from the text. Okay. Yeah, she's is, in the first she couple part of the I agree with you, Chris, though, that the art is I actually the art is actually really good. And the sad part is that it's kind of wasted on this because otherwise it's just yeah. Uh, and no, some of the plot things, like I know this is pre nine eleven, but even then I don't think you can jump out of a plane on the tarmac and run to another gate and hop on another plane, no fucking problem. I don't care how Batmanish you are. Yeah, <laughs> the way it was yeah. illustrated, it's just like there's no fucking way. Yeah, Jean Paul definitely committed some crimes there. Uh we get we get no mod. It's like the the plane he jumps on after skirting his responsibilities for going after Bane with this girl. He jumps on the right plane and to go after Bane and no Maz from Sword of Azrael is there. Yeah, so was he hallucinating him, or is he supposed to be just be there? Right? He's just he's just supposed to be there. I was shocked because I figured he would have showed up earlier in the Azrael books, but this is the first appearance of him, apparently. He doesn't talk like a troll anymore. He talks like an English person because of Alfred. Yeah, I, I thought he was a hallucination until later on Bane punches him in the face. I was like, oh, right. never mind. Yeah, Bane interacts with him, so unless Bane is also hallucinating and this is some weird nightmare realm that we don't know about in like issue 72 or something like that or the demon bis i i doubt it it was just a way to bring nomaz back i suppose as his handler instead of having batman constantly bitch and cry about him so he juices up bird to check out how this new batch of venom goes and he hands his ass to uh asriel but asriel gets the best of him eventually his ribs are cracked and bane just cleans up kind of like he did in nightfall against batman he kind of just got the sloppy seconds there yeah, there's more weird verbiage that Denny O'Neill writes where he's punching Asriel in the gut and he says, ribs were cracked, now more cracked. I yeah. Think it's just uh, bad now writing. crunched. Yeah, he just... The editor needs an editor. But this is all part of a plot. He took up a job on Santa Prisca for a general... Surprise, we're going back to Santa Prisca for the 20th time. Uh, some generals taking over Santa Prisca as a coup. And, and he wants, he's, wants the Venom, basically. Yeah, so Bane's testing it out on... Well, the whole thing is that he's made it supposedly a superior serum, and yeah. it's also, but it's also more addictive. Yeah, because he won't the, give and, it to Bird. And yeah, because Bird kicks the crap out of Azrael, and then, you know, like you said, uh, Azrael does get the upper hand, but he's he goes through withdrawal from the Venom, like, almost immediately. And slobbers and oozes green shit out of his face. Yeah. Does he die? I don't remember. Does no, he actually, no, he, he just, doesn't die. He just passes out from the pain. Yeah. This also turns into Venom 2, the, the storyline we read in the first episode, because they're back on Santa Prisca and... Oh, yeah. See, that's... I was going to talk it, about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, go I ahead. thought it was interesting that... So, yeah, he does end up juicing up Asriel on the... Or he juices him up on the boat. Yes, he gives him an injection, and he gives Nomaz an injection, but Nomaz takes it differently because yeah. he's and not so doing. he breaks out of he what breaks out of the boat, but then he starts going through withdrawal, and then he gets the crap oh. beat out of him. He doesn't go. He doesn't go without withdrawal yet. He, him and Bane both fight, but they there's a hurricane going on at the same time, or a typhoon or some shit, so they get washed onto the shore, and they fight on the island, and Bane gets the upper hand. Yeah, and then he's going to start going through withdrawal, and he tells the general, "Here, here's what's going to happen," and he gives Azrael the ultimatum of, "Hey, 
either you work for us or and you get the venom or you don't and you die you from die from withdrawal. Yeah. And Even so though Bird didn't. Azrael basically does the Batman thing and fights through the withdrawal. Yes. And then at the end of it, Bane's in disbelief that he could actually fight through it, especially because it's supposed to be more addictive than the last time. And then Bane actually shows his weakness to the drug and goes back on it. Yeah, he yeah, Azrael's when Azrael's fighting Bane, he's narrating that he's gonna kill me if I don't Bane still thinks he's on the drug, so he as they're fighting, Azrael's saying I'm about to collapse and I have to make him think I'm on the drug and so he shows him the venom. He's like, I bet you can't beat me because you need this. And he gets a sucker punch in on Bane, and he just goes out like a light. Yeah, so I just I thought it was interesting that they – I actually like that they put in there that Asriel is just as strong-willed as Batman, that he literally could shake the addiction to the drug. I feel like it's, again, a, a big anti-drug mes- message that yeah. you, know, you could do this if you had the will to do it, that – the whole time, Bane was kidding himself that he was was stronger than it, but he actually wasn't because he couldn't beat the right. addiction because he goes back on it. So I actually kind of like that idea of it. Otherwise, eh. I, I like that he's still in his old Asriel suit, but to me, it doesn't make any sense that why ha- why have the flaming blades if you're not actually going to kill anybody? Why not make adjustments to the suit? If you don't want to use it the same way you did before, why wouldn't you make adjustments so that... You can cut down trees. Yeah, I guess. I, I like that it's the old suit because the old suit, the, his first suit was cool, but it just doesn't make any sense to me that you're flailing around. You, making yeah, punchy noises. Yeah, punchy I mean, well, motions. it's like you basically have these flaming blades come out of your wrist or your, your gauntlets, but you're not using them for any purpose other than to like... Wolverine fl- was really good at not killing a lot of people with his claws as well. He was, but he also did kill a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, Azrael does too. But... but there's different. It looks cool. He's got the. I know. I know that's why they did cool. it. But I'm just saying, like, he purposely. To me, he purposely isn't killing people, and it doesn't make any sense why you would still have them. That's yeah. all. This is also the first time that Azrael admits that he was using his brain instead of his fists when he psyched out Bane with the venom. Yeah, which is a huge step for his character, since that's something that they kind of was part of the theme of Nightfall, where he was just brash and would attack everything. Chris, anything else of note for you, from you? Um, just uh, in the issue 40. They end up capturing Bane, they're flying back to Gotham, they're ready, everybody's waiting at the airport to take him to prison, and this leads right into the Cataclysm storyline, which I, I've never actually read too much of it, but from what I understand, it's when Gotham suffers a huge earthquake. Yeah, this is the, this is the prelude to another event, No Man's Land. Right. Uh, from what I understand, this is what led up to Lex Luthor becoming president in the DC universe. Uh, this was a pretty big deal because of it. The cataclysm, like they land in the earthquake, goes off, and I really, really like this issue. I like the way that it goes through because you know there's a cop talking shit like Bane ain't so tough, and then he escapes with the earthquake going on. Bane runs away. Azrael is chasing after him, and at the same time, there's news reporters saying like water main bursts are happening. And then in the panel, you see water shooting up and hitting Azrael in the face. Yeah, the um, the news reporter constantly narrating what's happening, and Azrael just they they talk about the effects of the earthquake and Azrael going through those said effects and the lead up. It, it was just I think this was a fantastic issue. Yeah, this this issue definitely saved it. I do like how uh, we already praise Roger Robinson, but I like how he draws Bane's eyes. They're very small. Yes, squinty, small, but they're expressive. 
Like when he frowns, they get smaller. And when he's yeah. more surprised, they're bigger. Kind of like Deadpool or Spider-Man when people draw yeah, him that way. when they draw it right. Whereas yeah. I like the look of Bane before, but he's had big eyes constantly. So it, it kind of showed how it's, easy, it's better to show those type of features when someone's wearing a mask because people hide a lot of emotion if it's just a mask. So Yeah, because the first time we saw him, they were just giant like goggles almost. And then now... Yeah, he said with Spider-Man's mask or Venom's eyes or Deadpool that they show emotion through the eyes because otherwise you can't. It's a white mask or not a white mask, but it's just a mask, so you don't even know what his emotion is. Right. It helps narrate the story in ways that they never did before, and I'm glad that a lot of people use this technique, even though it wouldn't work in reality. But yeah, Humberto Ramos is another one that does that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do like that John Paul just doesn't wear his mask around Bane. He doesn't give a shit about his identity. Yeah, and they had a. I kind of liked their conversation when they were in the helicopter before they landed, where Bane was trying to convince him that they're the same person. He was kind. John Paul was kind of falling for it in a way. He's like, "Hey, you're not wrong, but I promised Batman I'd bring you back." So it was a very Luke and Darth Vader Empire Strikes Back moment. You know, join me. You know, yeah, yeah, not the whole uh, father part, but yeah, the, the, the right. back and forth there. So. In the issue, Bane runs into a bank vault and kills a bunch of people inside. And he's like, here's a million dollars. He's like, here's a million dollars. Let's join forces and fuck shit up. And Azrael's like, no. And that's kind of a terrible description of how it ends. But I liked that whole join me and we can rule the galaxy theme with Bane yeah. and Azrael. Because he recognizes that, oh, I got my ass kicked by Azrael before. I should get him with me as opposed to against Right. And sadly, he gets sucker punched again because of an earthquake aftershock. Bane. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, you got to end the issue, but for someone that was so hyped at the beginning of this saga, you would. Th- we kind of talked about it before with how he diminished in Vengeance of Bane, but it just sucks that he just became, I don't know, the, the villain of the week after the, the big hype. Well, like we said, I, they created such a great character, but then the problem is as soon as they... He achieved his, achieved his goal. They didn't know what to do with him. And I agree with you, Chris. Uh, I actually want to try and pick up all the Cataclysm and No Man's Land stuff. It's good stuff. I, I didn't realize that this issue, until we read it, that this was like a tie into it. This, yeah, and, this, uh, this the first entire issue. issue was beat for beat, the plot points of it. It was really good. Yeah. If you're going to pick up No Man's Land, I recommend picking up, I think it's like Hitman 35 or 36. It's a two-issue thing where Hitman... Who will probably do someday on this podcast is stationed in Gotham. Mm-hmm. It's done by Garth Ennis, and he kind of stays out of Batman's way, even though they're yeah, they cross paths. But he's not under the official banner of No Man's Land. Like whenever you have a crossover come up, but when, while everyone else is trying to save people from the earthquake and all the villains and stuff, he's just drinking in a bar, and not a, all of a sudden vampires just show up. <laughs> See, I'm interested. So it's a goofy <laughs> adventure while Batman's fighting off all this hurricanes or not hurricanes earthquake stuff this guy hitman is just fighting vampires i i'd be interested to see if dc how they just recently republished all of uh, the nightfall stuff and night's quest and night's end and, and we finally got to read all of uh, the search yeah. in it because of that yeah if they republish cataclysm and then uh, no man's land and then if they would actually include the tie-in issues like those like they should yeah well i don't know we're coming up on the anniversary of it pretty soon if not already i think it already has. yeah it's already passed it's already been 20 years so i think uh that happened in like 96 or 97 it, it, they might already be out too for all we know it's not like we went looking for them 
well, my wife has the novelist. recently in previews. I, they haven't been pushed. Well, I'm just hoping that they do. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know you can still get them in trades. I just don't know if all these issues are in them. My wife has the novelization of No Man's Land. Oh yeah, I don't know why. She she likes it. She usually doesn't read that kind of stuff, but it's by Greg Rucka, so maybe that's why. So that's really it for Nightfall. Chris, did you have anything else to say about this? Uh, Azrael stuff? Um, that's pretty much, yeah, all of it. Uh, I thought leading into the Cataclysm in the No Man's Land uh-huh. is a really good way to end this, but even though technically the run ended way before I guess you could say, because there's like 30-some-odd issues of Azrael that we didn't go over, which I'm fine with not going over. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Jonathan, what do you rate this? Oh, it's six. Six. Chris? I would say a... I'm going to say seven, because that that final Azrael issue 40 was just so good. Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm giving it a seven as well. The first few issues were kind of... They, they took too long to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, with other threads going along with, like, his girlfriend from previous issues and other previous things just tying in together, it's just filler for us. Yeah. Since we're not reading the entire thing, so. I did like the cover, though, where Bane is breaking Azrael's back. Oh, yeah, the, the, the homage to Kelly Jones. Yeah. Yeah, that was, all the covers were pretty good, I think. Yeah, uh, they, the other one it was a big comical, roided out Bane arm punching off Azrael's mask through some metal. Yeah, and it was mostly a white background, which is probably why I liked it so much. The, yeah, the, the weird stark outtrace. white negative space. Yeah. Okay, so averaging out this one is a six point seven. Now we got everything here. Got a few stats to go over for the run. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did like this. So the highest total out of 10 for all of these, the highest total that we liked was Venom, the first episode. <laughs> that makes sense. At an 8.6. The lowest one was, not surprising if you've been listening to all this, The Search, which was a 1.3. Chris, your favorite book was Venom. You gave it a fucking 10 out of 10. You were the only person yes. to give it a 10 out of 10 out of anything on this run. Uh, you, the worst book you gave was a one, or the worst score you gave was a one for Lake of Fire. Uh, yes, Jonathan. I mean, gave, Venom was great. Venom was great. Yeah, it was. Venom was great because I don't know if I give it a ten. It, I didn't. I give it a seven. But you, you get you get great Batman story. You get awesome bearded Batman. Batman fights sharks. Classic. I mean, come on, <laughs> Jonathan. You gave Venom a nine. That was your highest score. You had a lot of eights in here as well, at the beginning at least. I'm sorry, you also you got a tie with a nine. You also gave Prodigal Troika a nine. And you also have a tie for your lowest score, which was Lake of Fire and The Search. You both gave them a two. Does that sound about right to you still? Yeah. Me, the highest score I gave here was an eight for Prodigal Troika. The lowest score I gave was a zero for The Search. <laughs> I can't believe you guys still gave that a two. I, re- I reread that. I'm never, re- I'm never stats. rereading that. Well, I was, I thought I was maybe being a little too harsh, and now that I wasn't under a crunch to get it done, I, I decided to reread it while writing up all these numbers. And oh, yeah, the zero is well deserved. I'm sorry. And now our averages, as well, and the total average that we gave this run, I give it a five point two overall. Oh, also, I didn't count Mightfall, the Batmite thing, because yeah, Chris, okay. Chris didn't read it. So I gave this a five point two out of ten. Jonathan. 
six point three out of ten. Chris five point six, and the average altogether five point seven. So hmm. I think it's actually kind of disappointing, but it's the numbers. It sounds about right, though. If you think about it, it starts off really strong and then it just farts its way to the finish line. I feel like this is one of the first, at least for us, one of those first defining points in a Batman history. Yeah. Because, again, as a kid, it was we, it was a big event for us as kids. I don't know if there was ever really <clears throat> how Marvel always, you know, anymore everything is freaking event driven, which is really annoying. Um, Got to buy them books, baby. Yeah. Was there really ever events for, I guess, a Crisis on Infinite Earths? But that was like a whole ensuing DC uh, thing. Events really didn't start happening until the 90s. Yeah. I mean, so, Marvel had... Marvel. Well, no, because Marvel had Secret Wars. Once Secret Wars started, then the events started churning out nonstop. You yeah. had a lot of X-Men stuff, Inferno, Executioner's and, Song. And But that was also, you know, figure DC had Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that was an entire universal event, whereas... This whole thing was a centered or central to one book type event. So right. it's kind of disappointing that, I guess not, yeah, it is a little disappointing that it doesn't stand up, hold up. But things are like that. Final <clears> thoughts? <throat> uh, I still think it's worth reading. Worth reading, not reading a second time, but worth reading <laughs> once at least. Uh, there were some high points. Again, I think Venom was probably the best. But Venom is its own standalone story is worth reading. Yes. Not... That's mandatory with you have to read Nightfall, but I think I beat this drum before where I said that the search is where it really, really fell apart for me. If you did the whole make Batman heal by Lazarus Pit, it could have worked a little bit better instead of the lame-ass villain and Asriel actually fighting people worth a damn. That would make us be shocked if something severe would happen to him or even have him actually kill someone, not through negligence. Having Bane fart out and just become nothing... He was just a swerve for what the actual bad guy of the whole series was. It was kind of disappointing as well. And seeing what he did as a follow-up just kind of sucked because it just drove right into another event with different characters where he became a henchman. If, if anything, I would tell people to just read Broken Bat. Venom's also good to read as well. But I would just say Broken Bat and Who Rules the Night are definitely, well, judging from my scores, are good reads. But other than that... I really wouldn't go any further unless you really like to see Grim Nolan's art. This story started off really good. I think if you're reading Batman, if you're collecting, it's worth getting. You know, you're definitely going to want to get your your one, your Man Who Laughs, your Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Death in the Family, all that stuff first, and then go into this later. But honestly, this story is... I feel like it could really benefit from like a retelling or like a, almost like a reboot. I want to see them retackle this story fresh again in a, like a new setting, take all the good ideas and actually maybe take some of the ideas that, well, they're not going to take our ideas per se, but you maybe go in that direction more with like a Ra's al Ghul tie-in. Well, they, they kind of, funny, like, yeah, funny that you mentioned that because actually they're doing that. Tom King is kind of doing that with, with the wedding. Yeah. With his whole entire Batman run currently yeah. is, honestly almost and i only just noticed it after the final issue of the wedding this is actually redoing the whole breaking batman type stuff right and um i mean we i don't know where it's going to end his, his, bane's wearing army fatigues now he wasn't the whole time Semantics. um but you know we won't i'm interested to see how it ends because it's not his he's slated to do 100 issues so yeah. we're only 
we're about to enter the last quarter of his run, so I'm interested to see where this all goes, and then hopefully he still continues. It all to write. ties into Mister Miracle, Mister Miracle Two, baby. <laughs> but but yeah, they're actually revisiting a lot of this, and I like it. And this should, I, I think we actually should have a podcast about this later on about how difficult it is telling the timelines and characters. But that's a whole another discussion about. They're called editors. Yeah, they're, and they're really <laughs> bad at their job sometimes. But wow. they got to keep things fresh for the new. 52 and rebirth and blah 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 yeah okay whatever <laughs> but, well obviously we know where batman is nowadays he's still going strong bane pops up but you might be asking yourself what happened to azriel apparently he's going to be in a new justice league book really he's yeah that justice started. league odyssey they're oh. in space there's also that white knight thing i think i think it's white knight sean gordon murphy's uh no well, that's a whole separate yeah universe. that doesn't count but I don't know. He draws a good Azrael. Oh, yeah, he does. So that's it. So this is the end of this. People call them seasons on podcasts, but I like to be stupid and call them volumes because, you know, comic books. Go I think it's better for our theme. I, I suppose. But before we go into our next volume, we're going to do a one shot, a palate cleanser, if you will. And we thought about it for a while and I decided. You call that, this a palate cleanser. Okay. <laughs> no, but, well, before we go into our next season. Or volume, I should say. I thought we should tackle Rob Liefeld's 1992 classic, Youngblood. <laughs> I love that you call it a classic. It's definitely a classic. We, I've read this series four or five times now, trying to make sense of it. And we don't want to just shit on it. We probably will. Well, we definitely will. But I want to try and look at the positives. Why was this so good? What made this good? Apparently, in the eyes of people at the time, this was the number one selling independent comic book. For a while, at least, until Spawn rolled around. But I wouldn't say it's a while. Whatever. It broke records. Once we're done with that, we'll announce the next volume, and we'll go from there. But if you have any email questions, you can send them into the runpod at gmail.com. Thank you. And Chris, we are going to be starting an Instagram soon. We talked about that. Oh, are we? Um, yeah, Chris is going to start an Instagram, where if we talk about certain images and stuff, I figure just go on the Instagram and see what the hell we're talking about because there's definitely going to be a lot of pictures in here that I'm pointing out that won't really work on an audio medium. <laughs> yeah, no, they won't. So yeah, we're going to make an Instagram. Everything that we've mentioned from specific panels will upload for your visual needs. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to do the best of our ability there. Uh, what's the, what's it called? The run pod. Is that what we're calling it? I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes when we get it live or I'll just throw in a, quick edit here yeah. but so yes we're gonna get extreme next episode thank you for listening it only took us half a year to get through nightfall but we did it fellas we did it hey some of us actually have jobs you know it's, it's tough these days to <laughs> we do this also stuff. have jobs chris um, that's is what i'm saying i know that's what i'm saying you know it, i am it, at hard. my job it's hard so but fellas, it's always a lot of fun so that's all i gotta say until next time until next time to be continued wow you stuck with the show to the end this show is produced and edited by me, as well as those oh-so-lovely vocals were by me. Also, a special thank you to Kimberly Lee for the show art. You can see more of her work at KimberlyLeeArt.Weebly.com. If you truly enjoyed this, please share it and tell a friend and vote us five stars on whatever podcast platform you use, as that would help us out tremendously. Thank you so much for listening.